Great, thank you, Adam. Now we're going to go into uh, the time of today's scripture reading, which comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. There are ESV Bibles, if you're here in person, that are under your seats. If you're at home, or uh, I, I guess this could be true of those uh, in person too, uh, you can look up the scripture in your own Bible or Bible app, but we'll also project it. So we'll give you a moment to find that. Again, it's Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. And if you're here in person or if you'd like to join us at home, uh, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's word. So I'll be reading the scripture for us today and we'll respond with thanks be to God. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gifts. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with them to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, today's message is a continuation. It's been kind of this big mega sermon series where we've been talking about life, life period. And a part of life, uh, the, the, trying to live it um, the way that, that Jesus wants us to, is about forgiveness. That's what today's message is about. It's about quick forgiveness. Now, a couple uh, weeks ago, we had this uh, retreat. Uh, some of you were able to come. If you weren't able to, I think all those sermons are in, uh, on YouTube. Uh, but Pastor Young was talking about forgiveness because he was preaching through the Lord's Prayer. And that's part of it, Right. Uh, to forgive others as, as we have been forgiven. And, um, you know, it's a very important concept, definitely, uh, for Christians. But what, what Pastor Young was talking about, which is definitely really important, is something that I think um, I usually hear messages about forgiveness. It's usually slow forgiveness. What do I mean by slow forgiveness? I mean, there, like, maybe there's some like, really big sin that occurred like years ago, and it was like traumatic, and it's taking you a really long time to get to the point where you can finally forgive that person, you know? Or maybe you are the one who did something that was really bad, and maybe you spent like the first, I don't know, like five years after that just denying that it happened, you know? And then after a while, you start to get convicted. You hear enough messages about forgiveness, and you're like, oh, maybe, you know, I need to ask for forgiveness for this, you know? And, um, I, I think a lot of the, the, the sermons that, that are about forgiveness are of this type, and it's not bad. I do want to say that just from the start, right? If there is something really big that you need to forgive, don't think that this message isn't for you. But, I mean, you know, definitely deal with that, right? Bring that before God. Um, but, you know, when I was looking at forgiveness, uh, I, I'd like to do these Google searches when I'm teaching on a topic and you know, uh, so for forgiveness, a lot of the pictures look like this. It's like somebody with chains who've been freed, right? And so it's like, you know, the, the, your unforgiveness is keeping you a prisoner, right? And you need to be freed, 
right? And, and I saw some others that were kind of like this that I thought were really cool. It's like the chain is being broken and then doves come out. I've been practicing my dove. I don't know if you guys have seen Hospital Playlist. If you haven't, don't worry about it. But yeah, so, uh, so doves come out. It's like really cool. Like, like there's peace that comes as you're being freed. But friends, why a chain? Does it have to be a chain? Does it have to be something so heavy? What if the chain or the heaviness actually has built over time? And what if we could catch those slights and those sins and those mess-ups before they became something really, really big? That's what today's message is about. It's about quick forgiveness. And, and you know, Jesus talks about that. And, and I have to say that the way he's going to address this, where Jesus starts in the Sermon on the Mount, which is this whole discourse that is about the kingdom heart. It is about kingdom righteousness. And um, he's going to start with anger, right? But I, I want to take a step back just to kind of review where we've been. And so we have been talking about life. But last week, we had this, this message that is, is in many ways uh, uh, this kind of cornerstone message. Uh, so I encourage you guys. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's on podcasts if you search Living Grace Ministry. If you missed last week's message, I really, really encourage you to watch it because um, it's about the purpose of life. And I know that's a very big, bold claim to say that we can find the purpose of life, but it's all throughout Jesus' teachings. It's about Learning to love like Jesus. Well, I guess you don't have to watch the sermon because I just told you. Uh, I mean, it might be worth it. But I was trying to convince you. That's the purpose of life, to love like Jesus. It's not as easy as it sounds. And last week, uh, we talked about this, this verse where Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That sounds so harsh, right? You're like, dude, this is impossible. How can any of us be perfect? But I, I want to remind you of uh, something that, that I think is very encapsulated in this quote by C.S. Lewis. This is C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. He says, the command, be ye perfect, that we just saw, is not idealistic gas, nor is it a command to do the impossible. He is going to make us into creatures that can obey that command, right? There, there's a progression. There's a journey, right? You're not going to be there uh, just overnight, right? And there is a whole process. And Dallas Willard, when he teaches on the Sermon on the Mount in the Divine Conspiracy, he thinks that you're supposed to not just pick and choose things from the Sermon on the Mount, right, and just take these isolated uh, uh, teachings of Jesus and like, oh, that's nice. Oh, I don't like that one. But you're supposed to take it as a totality. And so the way you see Jesus address this whole thing, right, like this came right before what we talked about today or what we're going to be talking about. He starts with anger. He starts there. And so that's where we want to start. And so, friends, uh, I, I do want to say that um, in many ways, anger is something that you cannot help. You know, and in many ways, anger, I, I describe it as kind of like becoming a different person. You know, and, and if we don't understand the mechanics of anger, you're never going to be able to stop it. Because I think a lot of people, we treat it like it's this choice, right? And so, like, let's say someone got angry at you. And you might have a hard time forgiving them because you're like, why did you treat me like that? Why did you yell at me? Why did you get angry? 
And friends, if you really kind of look at your own anger, I mean, you didn't mean to do it. It just kind of comes out. It happens so quickly, right? And um, it's almost like you become this different person. I, I have this picture of uh, Bruce Banner becoming the Hulk, right? And he like literally becomes this green rage monster. And it's not quite that dramatic, right? But sometimes we have this way of talking about anger. We, we say like, oh, he was seeing red. Have you, have you ever heard people talk about that? Right? And so, like, you know, maybe you're in a situation. I'll give you an example. For me, the situations where I really get angry a lot that I deal with, like, every day is road rage. And, and there's a very specific instance where I just, like, lose it every time. And what it is, is it's very specific to me, guys, so <laughs> just, just bear with me. You know, like, when you're stopping at a four-way stop, and uh, when I stop at a four-way stop and someone goes when it's not their turn, like, yo, someone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah. You feel me on a deep spiritual level here. So when someone goes when it's not their turn, I, I just, like, I get angry. Like, it just, it, like, rises up within me, and I yell. I'm like, stupid, right? Like, what are you doing? Not your turn, you know? And sometimes I honk, right? Sometimes it can be worse, but this is the thing is, yes, our anger, it, it, it can be this kind of automatic thing. It's coming from someplace, right? For me, it's coming from this place of, I, I like, when I was, like, growing up in Cincinnati, I was, like, one of the few Asian kids in Cincinnati, and I always kind of felt like people were, like, overlooking me. Um, you know, like, like I, I used to say that, uh, <laughs> okay, should I use this example? Um, when I would go to the club, right? Like, like, I didn't go to the club a lot, but... Okay, I, you know, I wasn't always a pastor guy. So, so when I go to the club, I always felt like people would walk through me. Like, there's a big, like, 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 crowd of people, and I was like a door. Like, they looked at me, and they're like, hey, there's all these people. Who am I going to walk through? That little Asian kid. Let's walk through him. You know, and just people would just kind of like scoop me aside. And I felt like that kind of my whole life, right? Like people don't see me. They're not acknowledging me. And when I'm at the four-way stop and it's not logical, right? It's just this thing that just wells up from this place of hurt. When somebody cuts in front of me and it's not their turn, I turn into the Hulk. Like, like a little mini, you know, Steve-sized Hulk, you know? And I don't know what it is for you. It's different for every person. And Obviously, friends, it's not an excuse. I'm not saying this to excuse it. And there are levels to this, right? Because you can definitely, like, like, you know, indulge anger, and there's some choice to it, right? How do I know this? Because some people in the situation I'm describing might, like, follow that person home, you know? There are road rage situations where literally somebody, have you guys heard this, like, on the news? Like, someone would follow them home, and they'd, like, pull out a gun or something, you know, or I fantasize about this all the time. I mean, guys, I'm a human being. I fantasize about ramming the person with my car. I've never done it yet, but I've thought about it, right? And, and, and so this is the thing. Not everybody rams the person with their car. Not everyone kills a person when they're angry, right? So we know there's some choice to it. We know we can stop it. But what is it where, like, like, oh, okay, maybe you're not ramming the person with a car. Maybe that's too extreme for you. But let's say you just really lose your crap, right? And you just start yelling and honking and, you know, 
a certain finger comes up, right? Like, what's happening in this? So to me, the anger, yes, it's this kind of like natural thing that happens to everyone. It's like a wave, right? And so the wave, it's, it's like trying to push you out to, to the ocean, right? And, and so there's this thing within us that we're like, oh, okay, if I keep going out with this wave, I'm going to go to jail, right? This is not going to be good. I'm going to have to pay thousands of dollars to prepare, to, to like, you know, repair my, my car. And so we have laws, we have these things, common sense that keeps us from going too far. But the person who just loses their crap, it's almost like the, the, the wave is pushing you out and they're like, yes, and they just turn, right? And they just let the wave push them, right? That's kind of what's happening. And so I think what Jesus is talking about in all of this is don't do that. Don't let the wave push you out, right? Jesus knows, and there is acknowledgement in Scripture all over the place that you're going to get angry. Uh, So this is one of the, the, like, it's become one of my favorite Scriptures because I didn't understand this for the longest time. Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Um, In the NIV, it says, in your anger, do not sin. And that's not what it says in the Greek. It says, be angry and do not sin. There's this this kind of acknowledgement. You are going to get angry because you're human. For me, I've told you already, I have a lot of issues with anger. It actually popped on my psychological assessment when I was being evaluated to become an ordained pastor in the United Methodist Church. You got to take this long, like five-hour psychological assessment. And the one thing that really flagged for me was they're like, you have anger issues. And the funny thing is, is that all my answers, none of them showed anger. But what it was, was the refusal to ever show any anger. They're like, that's a red flag. Right? They could see this little bit of passive aggressiveness coming out. And they're like, hey, you might want to see a therapist or a counselor for this. I'm like, what are you talking about? Nowhere am I showing any anger. And I started getting angry. <laughs> but this is the thing, friends. I think this happens all the time in the church. We're told you can't get angry. That's so like unbiblical, right? And you know, I gotta tell you, growing up in the church, I grew up in a Korean church, and I did see anger. Right? But whenever you saw anger, you just kind of knew, like, oh, that's like, whoa, that's like way out of bounds, you know? And usually, I mean, I think part of the problem is that when you try to deny anger because it's a normal human thing, it's going to find an outlet one way or another. It's almost like you're just trying to push it down and it's going to explode, right? That's what happens to me when I'm in the car and I'm at those four way stop. It just explodes, right? And so, friends, I just want to acknowledge, right, that we do get angry. And so as we're talking about this, guys, I want you to see that this is a real thing. But we don't like to acknowledge it. Everything we're going to be talking about from here on out, friends, some of this might be hard for you to hear because you're going to have to see yourself in the mirror. And there's going to be some things that we've done where we actually have like the anger's coming, and instead of like being like, no, 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 this is not good, right? I got to find a way to, you know, bring this before God and forgive it. We've turned around and we let the anger push us. And what a lot of us have done in that is we tell a story. We have a justification 
for that. Dallas Willard says that Jesus knows that people deeply hunger to be good, but cannot find their way. No one wishes to do evil for its own sake. We just find it unfortunately necessary. We want to be good, but are ready to do evil, and we come prepared with lengthy justifications. And so what you're going to see is that as we are talking about this progression of anger and how it starts with, I mean, you know, basically Jesus is saying, you have heard it said, do not murder, right? But seriously, nobody, I don't think, ever like sits around without anger and is like, I'm going to murder someone. Like very, very few times does that ever happen. It's usually a progression. Nobody is like, oh, I want to go to jail for the rest of my life. I want to ruin my life and ruin my family. No, the anger gets the best of them, right? There's a progression to it. And Jesus wants us to understand that progression. But he's also, guys, can I say this? He's trying to cut through our BS. We BS all the time. We try to act like it's okay that we got angry in the way that we did. Ooh, Oh, this is is hard, guys. But this is really important if we want to be righteous the way that Jesus wants us to be righteous. So let's take a look at the text. He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I want you guys to see the progression. He says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be liable to judgment. So this is the least serious form, right? Judgment, it just means you did something wrong, right? And then it says, whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. So now this is a little bit more serious, right? You're being brought in front of uh, like like a legal authority, right? Saying like, you really, really did wrong and there's going to be some penalty for this. But then Jesus goes on to say, whoever says you fool, so this is the most serious thing, right? Step three, you will be liable to the hell of fire. (laughs) Oh, that, that escalated quickly, right? You'll be liable to fiery judgment and punishment. So, friends, I I want to to just be very clear. We know that if you have been forgiven, uh, you know, by Jesus, right? Jesus died for your sins. And and there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1, right? So what he's not, he's not talking about literal, right? Like if you do this, you're going to burn in hell forever, right? That's not what he's talking about. It's a metaphor. Right? What he's trying to show you is that you got to take this seriously. It's a progression. It gets worse. Right? And so you start with this basic anger, this basic resentment, right? and then it grows to something else. Right? And so if you can catch it when it's small, it's always the best. So friends, um, this happens to people in church all the time, is that when you're annoyed at someone, we're just like, oh, well, not that big a deal. You know, I, 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 like, like, I don't want to be like, you know, overreact or like, like you don't want to think of yourself as someone who gets angry. I got to tell you, friends, I'm just being honest with you. I get angry at people at church. Some of you are like, Pastor Steve, no, I'm human. Of course I get angry at people. But what makes me different, hopefully, I hope this makes me different than just like someone who's just angry all the time is that I, I try to acknowledge it and catch it. When, when I'm just like, you know, walking around or just in the presence of God and I'm praying and I'm like, oh, I have a little bit of resentment towards someone. You know, the way that somebody said something. And oftentimes, they don't even know that they did it. It's part of my story. 
right? Just like I told you about how I was um, like, like really, really uh, hurt by people overlooking me. Like you didn't know that. The person at the four-way stop, they didn't know that, right? Something that, okay, I'm gonna say this and I'm not saying this so you will never say this to me. <laughs> But something that always used to bother me so much is uh, I, I was uh, at this other church. This, this older man who every week would come up to me and never thank me. I mean, he would shake my hand, but he would shake my hand and be like, sermon's too long. And just every week he would just say, the sermon's too long. And it just bothered me so much. And yeah, so like, let's say in that situation, you have this little bit of resentment. And, and so the turning and letting it carry you a little bit would be like, yeah, he is a big jerk, right? Like, why would you say that to someone? What's wrong with you? And it just pushes you a little further out. But it's at that moment, if you can catch it when it's small, right? And to root it out. Yeah, God, this is bothering me. You bring it before God. You forgive them in your heart, and you let it go quickly, right? But let's say you don't catch it that quickly. Let's say you get pushed out a little bit further, right? And so... Jesus says, whoever insults his brother. The word for insult, actually, it says, um, whoever says raka. And raka is a term in Hebrew that is a term of contempt. And what a lot of scholars think is that it's not so much what raka means, it's how you say it. It it almost sounds like you're accumulating spit, right? You're like, uh, let's see if I can do this. My throat's a little dry, but like... Right? Like, right? Like, I know it's kind of gross, right? But so, so you're, you're like basically like, like it's the equivalent of, of like spitting, you know? And, and I kind of think of it as like, it's not like a real word, right, that you're saying, but you're just upset and you're verbalizing it and you're doing it in front of them. It's almost like, have you ever like been mad at someone and you're just kind of like muttering to yourself? Like, what's wrong with you? She's just like, she, you don't care about people, you don't think about people. Just like, like, like you're upset about it. And they're like, what was that? You're like, oh, no, no nothing. You know? <laughs> and, you know, but you know, you know they're not happy. And you're kind of like taking a little step further where you're starting to, now what are you doing? You are forming a story. You are forming a justification, right? Like not, no longer is it just like, oh, hey, you know, I got angry. You know, people are human. Let, let, let's forgive this, right? But you're like, there, there, there's a good reason for this. And friends, you've got to be careful with this. I'm going to share with you guys a story that this is actually where this sermon started. It came from this thing that happened. I was in Cincinnati, and uh, I, I, I think a lot of you guys know, my dad had a brain injury. He's still dealing with it. Um, it it's like a massive brain bleed. And um, he is a lot better physically, but he still gets like really confused. And it's just really just mad stressful. It's really, really stressful on my mom because she's got to take care of him all the time. And so I've been down several times to Cincinnati to uh, you know, help them out however I can. And the past time that we went, um, they were having problems with their insurance. And so it was just really stressful. My mom's on the phone with the insurance. And then we had an appointment with uh, my dad's uh, physical training. Uh, for rehab. And so my mom's on the phone. She's like on hold. And she finally got a hold of the person. And she's like, Steve, can you drive? 
Like, cause, cause I gotta talk to this person. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. So I'm driving and we're, we're, we're just like, like we're going down this road for the longest time and my mom's talking to this person and they can't really understand her. And then they're like, oh, I'm sorry, you're not the primary insurance person. I gotta talk to your husband. My dad's got a brain injury. Right, they're trying to talk to him, they're on speaker, and they're going back and forth. And you know, I, I put the rehab center in the GPS, and I see that it's coming up. And my mom's like, oh, it's coming up, turn left here, turn left here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, it's on the GPS, right? I don't say anything. But we're getting closer, I slow down, I put on my turn signal, and as I'm getting ready to turn, my mom's like, turn right here, turn right here, and I just explode. I just go, I know, like that. And just like, like, it was like really awkward because my mom's still on speaker with the insurance person. The insurance person was talking and just stopped mid-sentence and was like, hello, hello? is everything okay? And I got to tell you, like, so I, I felt a little like, like embarrassed, right? But very quickly, very quickly, that rise of anger, I just turned around. And I'm like, yeah, why do you treat me like a baby? Not a baby. I, didn't you hear the turn signal? Okay, this is another thing that you need to know. My mom is getting hard of hearing. She's getting older. She, she probably didn't hear the turn signal, right? But I'm like, you always do this. You always treat me like a baby, right? I'm an adult. I'm 44 years old, right? And just, you should have known. I was, I was like, like, you don't talk to people that way, right? Like, there's this whole justification that's going on. We're at the rehab center, and I'm just telling the story that it was okay to yell at my mom. Is it okay to yell at my mom in that situation? I mean, for in one, like, like it happened very, very quickly, right? She's like, you know, the, the second time, turn left, turn left, turn left. And I'm like, I know, right? And it just happened that quickly, right? So it's not like I could have stopped it, but I definitely didn't want to say sorry because <laughs> I felt justified. And I sat there and I think about it, like, yeah, she deserved it. She deserved it. Did she deserve it? I mean, just think about how stressed out my mom was in that situation. And I couldn't just be like, oh, okay, she's saying turn left again. I couldn't stop it. But what I could do, what I eventually did, and I want to tell you guys, I, I'm just being really honest about this. I did not want to do it. But I went to my mom and I said, mom, I'm really, really sorry for yelling at you, for snapping. And my mom, because she's my mom, she was like, oh, no, it's fine. I understand. Like, you understand? You understand? Friends, for some of us, it even gets worse. It says, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Why, Why does Jesus take this so seriously? Right? What's the difference between raka, showing contempt, saying contempt, in calling someone a fool. The word for fool in Greek, um, well, here he says more, but it's the word that we get the word moron, right? Calling someone a moron, and you're like, whoa, Jesus, that seems really extreme. But I think what is happening here is that you are now telling this story that there's somebody who deserves your anger. There's somebody who is now not a human being like you, who is, is, is imperfect, but still made in the image of God, right? Is somewhere on that journey with you. They're like you in every way, but now they're a completely different class of person. 
right? Have you ever noticed, like, some of the worst things that we can say about people are like racial and ethnic slurs, right? You reduce someone to this word, and it's just so harmful. Why is it so harmful? Because you're dehumanizing them, right? You're making them a different kind of person. And oftentimes, it's not just using that word, but those words so often have been accompanied at some point in our history with serious violence, serious degradation of that person, taking away their rights. Because it's almost like you're saying, like I said, if they're a different kind of person than you, an inferior kind of person, they deserve that anger. They deserve the way they're being treated, and it's okay. You're telling a story, and we're really believing that story. And friends, I got to tell you, that story, it gets entrenched. You know, friends, this happens in marriages, right? And and, and oftentimes, right, you see marriages where people, like, they're like, oh, you, you, like, that moron that I'm married to, that idiot, right? Or like, man, I'm like, I can't stand seeing their face. And it's like, you chose that person, right? At one point, you were probably madly in love. At one point, right, out of all the human beings that you met, you're like, you're the one. And then years later, you're like, you're an idiot. How did that happen? It doesn't happen overnight. Really interestingly, uh, there's this guy, uh, John Gottman, and his uh, partner, Susan Johnson, they do this research on couples. And they were featured in uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, book, Blink. But um, um, this is an excerpt from the book. He says about John Gottman, if, if he analyzes an hour of a husband and wife talking, he can predict within 95% accuracy whether that couple, couple will still be married 15 years later. If he watches a couple for 15 minutes, his success rate is about 90%. And I didn't put this on here, but Malcolm Gladwell said that if he analyzes for three minutes, he's more than 50% accurate. He's right more than he's wrong. Just three minutes of hearing this person talk or hearing this couple talk, right? And what is he looking for? He's looking for certain things. I mean, you know, it's probably much more complicated than I'm making it, but what John Gottman says himself is the main thing that he's looking for is resentment and contempt. And he says contempt is the killer of relationships. This feeling like, oh, you're an idiot. You know, you're so stupid, right? That it, it, it just permeates the relationship. And so John Gottman said that, you know, at first, it just sounds ridiculous, right? That you could predict this of a marriage from such little information, right? Because he, he said like, oh, you know, maybe I'm just catching the couple on a crappy day. He's like, no, no, no. What he found is that it's a pattern, right? It's something that just infests all of that life. And so, friends, it's a really big deal in any kind of relationship, in any kind of committed relationship. I know we're using the example of husband and wife, but it's also the church. What have we been talking about all this time? We want to do life together. And, and what is this going to be? How is this going to be different than the way that anyone else in the world does life? Because I've got to tell you, I've seen so many churches split. So many churches where, you know, they started together like, we love Jesus, we love God. And after a while, they're like, that person is the devil. I hate them. I never want to see them. How did you get that story going? 
Where did that develop? And friends, I got to tell you, maybe it's because we didn't root out the resentment when it was small. We let it grow. We get it big. And so Jesus' answer is, get it when it's small. Do it quickly. Like, like forgive. You know, let these things go. And so verse 23, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. To a good Jewish person, this sounds insane. Right? What is the one most important, like, like, commandment? The first commandment. There is no God but God. You don't put anything above God. In your worship of God, phew, you would not interrupt that for anything, right? Like, there's so many Jewish people that they refused to give up worshiping God and they would be killed for it. So look at what Jesus is saying is that you're about to alter, offer your gift at the altar to God and then you remember that you have this thing between you and a brother or sister. He said, leave the gift. Leave the gift. Go deal with this. Um, I, I can't remember who it was, uh, but I heard this sermon. It was like at a megachurch where they were preaching on this passage, and they took it literally. They were like, so right now, seriously, get up and leave. Get up and leave from service and go reconcile. And there are people like standing up and running out of the... Out of, like, okay, that's a little legalistic, right? I mean, I, like the, the point here is to do it quickly, right? It's about the priority, right? Jesus uses this shocking example to show you, don't let this wait. Don't let this wait. You know what the second part of the, part, uh, of the scripture where it says, be angry and do not sin. You know what the second part of that is? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the day pass before you deal with that anger, right? And so then you'll see this, the second part, right, which, which emphasizes the point we're trying to make here. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put, put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So again, we see Jesus teaching, do it quickly, right? But even more here, you're going to see the idea of the price that you're paying. And so Jesus is saying, right, like, again, this isn't supposed to be a legalistic thing, like never take someone to court. That, that's the way some people take it. But I think what he's trying to talk about is there's going to be a penalty. One way or another, right, you're going to have to pay a price. Which price do you want to pay, right? Because there is the price of, you know, like, like let's say that, you, you, just use this example, right? Like someone's taking you to court and you interrupt them. On their way to court, you're like, hey, excuse me, can, can we talk? They're like, I don't want to talk to you right now. Like, guys, seriously, imagine that scenario, how awkward that would be, right? There's a cost to that. That crazy, awkward conversation that you would have for five minutes, maybe they're going to tell you to go to hell or something, or, you know, maybe they're going to like, be like, right? It's going to be awkward. There's a price to pay. But Jesus is saying, if you wait the price is even higher, right? How many times have, have, has there been something that, you know, upsets you or something like, like you know, there, there's like a little thing and you think to yourself, maybe I should say something to that person. But then you're like, nah, you know, it's going to be so awkward. 
right? Like, like ah, just, I, I'm sure it would just kind of go away. Jesus is saying, it's not going to go away, right? What does he say? What does he say? He says, truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Hear that, friends. Your anger, your resentment, your bitterness, you will not get out until you pay the last penny. Unless you resolve it. Unless you forgive it. Unless you bring it to God. You will not get out until you pay the last penny. And so we have churches that are in tatters because people haven't done this. We've sat on our anger. We've let it build. And even worse, we've turned around and we've let the anger carry us. You know, yeah, maybe the pastor's like, see, that congregation member, they don't trust my authority. They don't treat me with respect. You know what? They're a bad seed. And they're going to foment rebellion in the ranks and blah, 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 blah. All these excuses, all these stories. Friends, it is not the way of Jesus. What is the way of Jesus? You think that people, Jesus didn't have situations that were like mad frustrating? Or people that were mad at him? Or... And, and what did Jesus do with all of those things? He didn't get revenge. He didn't make justifications. He didn't make up a story to make himself feel better. He took all of those wrongs upon himself. Like, I just imagine, imagine Jesus on the cross, and there's all these people, they're like, hey, yeah, you know, if you're the son of God, then prove it, then come down from there, and they're mocking him, and Jesus just takes it. He just takes it, and he 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 dies. He absorbs our anger. He absorbs our sin. Friends, don't make the mistake of saying that your anger is justified. When we know that all of your anger, all of our wrongs have been paid for, but it's been paid for with the blood and body of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, there is great news. When you make a mistake, and you will make a mistake, I make mistakes, Right? To, as soon as we become conscious of that, bring that before Jesus and let him absorb it again, because he will. And he will break the power of that sin. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up, but I want to just put this up here, because this is the time that I just kind of want us to reflect. You know, if you were getting mad agitated during the sermon, Friends, I got to tell you, it might be the Holy Spirit. I'm just being honest. If there's something, or like you found yourself, like you really couldn't listen because your brain was like, let's not listen to this, let's not listen to this. There might be something we need to forgive. There might be a resentment that's been building. There might be someone in your life that you need to forgive or you need to reconcile with. And friends, you know, I got to tell you, you may do everything right. Right? Jesus says, like, hey, go try to resolve with that person quickly. But what if that person doesn't accept your forgiveness or your attempt at reconciliation? That might happen. That's probably the most common justification we use for not using. Ah, they're not going to accept it. They're not going to want to hear from me. But friends, even in your own heart, right? Like, you can forgive people who are dead. You can forgive people that, 
you're never going to see again. And it's not about whether or not they're going to accept it. It's about you becoming a kingdom person. You becoming the person who's capable of loving like Jesus. Because I got to tell you, they may not be ready for forgiveness now, for reconciliation now. But when they are, you'll be ready. And it'll be beautiful. Friends, it is a beautiful thing for us to learn to be like Jesus. And so I want to ask you, is there something in your heart that you need to bring before God, that you need to root out before it can take hold, before it can become calcified into a story of justification? Is there anything bothering you this morning that we need to bring before Christ? Let's take a moment to do that. God, we thank you, Lord, that we worship a God who gave his own son to die for our sin, knowing that we were never going to be perfect. And yet you call us to join in your kind of life. It's not easy, but with your help, with your Holy Spirit, God, we know we can move further and further into Christ-likeness. Lord, let us not make excuses for our sin, for our our anger, for our resentment and bitterness. But God, we want to lay those things before the feet of of Christ right now. God, whatever it is within our hearts, the things that have been named, the things that have been spoken in our minds and hearts this morning, God, may you take those things, Lord, and may we know that we are forgiven, that we are washed in the blood of Jesus, and that what Jesus did for us on the cross has broken the power of that sin, and it is no more. Brothers and sisters, you are forgiven in the name of Christ. And may you experience the freedom of being able to love, being able to forgive, being able to not let that story drag you down or bring you further into uh, the waves that push you further down into the brokenness of life. God, we thank you. We want to be more like you. God, we pray for all those people that we've wronged, We pray for the people who have wronged us. May you bless them. In Jesus' name, amen.